scary you bet music horror art politics and overall badass welcome to kettle whistle radio for real on society 13 networks david fairhead and heather tanny check those real quick because you know Welcome to Kettle Whistle Radio, folks. Um, yeah, uh, and uh, we, we actually we're filming right now too. Um, apparently, you wanted some footage of this. Multimedia, man. Let's Multimedia. Yeah. Uh, well, we got Miss D on camera. She refuses to talk. <laughs> so um, she is a boom operator, but that's just the way it goes. Yeah, she's fine when she has a mic in front of her, but now she has a camera. So I have a tambourine. Oh, well, uh, oh good. And uh, Heather oh, found nice. a tambourine. I do apologize for that. <laughs> well, it is Kettle Whistle Radio, and it's all about the music, man. I guess so, but sometimes we're not so musical. Um, but all right, Roger Sampson, Forces of Horror, and you made us a part of that, and I'm not sure why yet, but we. <laughs> she laughed. I lost uh, a bet, really. <laughs> Wait, who that you, explains it. Who are you betting? <laughs> who are you oh, betting? This buddy I used to play softball with, and then. Oh my God, my brother-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, hi, Misty. Yeah. Can you see Roger over here? Can you, can you see? There he is. That's the director, Forces of Horror, who uh, got us included with the wraparound story, um, Clown Junkie, that he approved of. I'm not sure why. I'm glad you like it. Um, <laughs> no, actually, I did. Uh, when I when I saw what you guys shot, I, I was like, oh, you know what would really look cool here? And then, oh, my gosh, you know what would really look cool here? Sorry there. Oh, hold on, sorry what about that. What did you do? I phased them out. Technical difficulties. That's why I still can't see you guys. I'm sitting here talking to myself. Yeah, you're, no, you're, you know, the camera's not up right now just because <laughs> we have too much going on in this uh, little studio of ours called Helm's Deep Headquarters. But anyway, you were saying, so why Why did you <laughs> Why did you include us? <laughs> you lost a bet uh, to my brother-in-law, Frank, and then what else? Oh, that's our dog. She is always part of the show, so. Nice. But go ahead. Uh, go ahead with what you're saying. Sorry about that. Well, actually, we were looking for a horror host, and I put a thing out on Facebook, and Frank uh, messaged me and says, hey, I've got a horror author who's uh, related to the family. And I'm like, sure, you know, let me know who it is. And I looked you up, and um, the theme music to your book online was pretty cool. I thought, he'll do. And, uh, no, seriously, though, um, you know, I looked up your, I looked up your guys' stuff. I, you know, watched some, watched some of the paranormal stay because I sadly missed it when it was on live. But, uh, I was like, this is pretty cool. So I, I, I told Frank I'd get in touch with you and the rest is history. I guess, yeah, almost history. Um, we have a little more work to do apparently. Well, I mean, that's assuming you don't quit before you finish it. Ah, quit. <laughs> I guess we gotta talk about these films. Now you got monsters, you got zombies, you got evil children, um, Everything that I love about horror movies, and I, me, Heather and I both enjoyed it. Miss D enjoyed it too. Again, she won't talk today. Sorry about that. That's um, okay. <laughs> it's just a thing right now. Um, so, all right, where did this start? 
What is the origin of the species? Well, the origin of species actually is a is a famous paper that was written by, um, of course, now that I have to now that I have to think of it, um, natural selection. I, it escapes me now. Um, Darwin. Darwin. Thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, I was searching for um, basically. I was searching for a, a title to the film, which is about vampires uh, being the top of the food chain and um, the ignorance of man to think that we're the top of the food chain kind of thing. So um, I started, I just basically Googled natural selection and I came across a bunch of articles. And then I came across this paper that Darwin wrote. And I'm like, Whoa. So I just, I did some research on IMDB as far as, you know, uh, the title of this paper. And there were several film projects or whatever, TV episodes, whatever that had variations of that. But just the words, the origin of species wasn't, wasn't used. I'm like, that's my title. Huh. Very cool. Now forces of Nate, not forces of Nate. Gosh, I say that a lot. (laughs) Forces of horror. Like where, like, how did this come about? When did you decide, okay, it's time for me to make a movie. Actually, I wrote a, a feature zombie thriller called the, uh, well, actually, let me back up. Um, I was watching The Walking Dead one time. Actually, I watched it a bunch of times, but so this one time I was recent, watching it, and it of course has one. What's that? Recent years, then. Yes, it was like two years ago. Uh, watching an episode of The Walking Dead, and of course, they had one of those scenes where they're, you know, characters walk in, and there's some zombies, like, feasting on some guy or whatever, and... I got this twist in my stomach, and every time I watch a scene like that, I would get this twist in my stomach, and finally I'm like, why am I getting a twist in my stomach? And then it hit me, because the zombie genre in general, and Romero actually has even been uh, interviewed about this very point, and he doesn't actually care about it. But uh, the logic gap for me is about, you know, I would, I'm kind of like, uh, as a writer, I, I need to know everything that's going on in my story, why it happens. Because if I don't have like a godlike knowledge of what's going on, right. then no one else is going to get it either. <clears throat> so um, when I was looking at the zombies, and I'm like, I'm like, you know, where does that stuff go when they eat? Where does that go? They don't have a gastrointestinal system to work it out, and they're always hungry. So they're, it's like they, I mean, you think at least over the course of time they would get fat, you know, just having all this flesh that just doesn't go anywhere. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Right. And so I, I started asking myself all these questions about zombies. You know, why this? Why that? And so then it hit me, and I actually Facebooked it that, that night. I was like, oh, revelation. I'm going to write a film which explains where zombies come from, why they do what they do, how they, why they, you know, react to things the way they do, why they need to eat flesh, etc. And so I spent like three months just kind of like uh, actually doing a lot of research like about science and about um, just different I – was, I was trying – I needed to connect some, some scientific dots with science fiction, obviously – and so I came across this idea, and I figured dots. out a way to Sorry, that's explain a logically right and scientifically where zombies come from and and why they do what they do. And all I was able to set it up to where all my science points worked, at least, I mean, you know, with the science fiction I threw in. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote this screenplay called The Zombie Effect. <clears throat> and so I went out and I started promoting the crap out of it. And so we uh, we, we were going to make this film... And then every time we'd try to approach people about funding or about distribution, we're like, we don't know you. You know, what have you done? I'm like, well, this will be my first. And they'll be like, yeah, come talk to me when you've done something. Wow. Okay. So at that point, we're How like, well. How discouraging is that? That's, that's the way it is in the indie world, man. Yeah, I know. 
It's life. So yeah, we're we're both in it. Trust me. <laughs> exactly. So we uh, we figured it to, to do a short to show what we could do, so we could go back to him and say, "Hey, now that you have read the script, and here's a short to show you what we can do, so on and so forth." So um, I sat down to write Revelations. Well, I was writing Revelations, and um, the the story of Rawhead hit me. I'm like, "Whoa, that's a cool one." The and then story. that's the monster story. Yeah, the monster story. And then Origin hit me, and then the Jones hit me. Actually, the Jones have been kind of floating around in my head ever since I'd watched my first. There was like there have been several like uh, intelligent zombie comedies, you know, where they, they they walk and they talk, but it's all you know comedies are trying to you know like leave it to Beaver. Right. <clears throat> and I was like, it would actually be kind of funny if you saw you know the mom zombie shopping for groceries at the store goes up to the meat counter and it's all brains and you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that would actually be funny. And so that the story for the Jones actually sort of spawned from that, you know, from from, from that gestation that just kind of let Sid because, you know, most people don't care about smart zombies anyway. Uh, I'll tell you that. I think the Jones was my favorite. I, Heather, where are you with yeah, that? Yeah, I like that one. That, that was my favorite, too. Yeah, that one stuck out with her, too, a big time. Well, the Jones actually turned out to be more of a metaphor for human beings than any of the other oh, any of the other three stories because uh, just the name, the Jones, is you know designed off the stereotypical you know keeping up with the Joneses kind of, of stereotype. Course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the fact that they're undead, you know, but there's they they walk around, they look like a normal family, they you know whatever, but they're not normal because they're zombies. And that's, again, a metaphor for our condition as human beings is how screwed up we are and how it, it's, we feel normal, but we're not. And, um, so that's, you know, so anyway, I was like, well, which one do I do? You know, so I had gone to, uh, the guy who shot him for me and, um, I said, you know, I wonder if we could do all four of these. If we can find one location, we don't have to, you know, if we can find one location to shoot them all and cast the same people, then we can literally, you know, make this enclose it and just have, you know, shoot it over four weekends. That was our plan. Amazing. And, uh, you know, so we, that's, you know, what basically ended up becoming the anthology. I'm like, you know, American Horror Story does this where they have the same cast. They just do different roles and things like that. Right. Except, yeah. So it's not, the precedent has been set. <clears throat> so I think it would work. And so they, you know, they agreed and they're like, let's, let's try this. So that's kind of how the anthology came about as we were going to make one short turn it into four shorts because the other angle was, well, if they're, if they turn out good enough, we, you know, we can put them on a DVD and then we can try to sell them. Right. And that's, uh, now where are you with that? Now you're showing the films are being shown. Are you showing them all, like all four in the same theater back to back? What are you doing right now as far as showing the films? They're just actually on YouTube. They're open and available for anyone to watch at the moment. Um, okay. When we get closer to actually having a DVD authored later this year, we'll probably take them down. Okay, you answered uh, the question. We, I was going to ask you about the DVD, yeah. Yeah, I, I've got to wait for my hosts to really finish filming their stuff. They're taking uh, a really long time with it. So You hear you that, know, Heather? I'm hoping. You're already you know, saying right now, right? He's talking about us. Oh, <laughs> I know they waste time talking about stuff on the radio. I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> well, I don't know. She's got her music career kicking right now, and well, you know, I, I have put my writing career on hold right now for you. So I, we're, we're trying. Nice. We're trying. Now Heather can't stop. Apparently, the glowworms are blowing up, and her bass career is just out of control. Oh, right now, it's so. not that crazy. <laughs> she's got something well, else awesome. going on though, too. What's this? No, we just uh, we just recorded. Um, me and the glowworms. We just recorded like four more songs. And we're gonna oh, do like nice. a, we're gonna do a little tour in March. 
Sweet. So that should be fun. Yeah. And I, um, well, with any, did you get that release form back to? to I did. Uh, yeah, a little late. But did you get it yet? I did. Actually, okay. it came in the mail last week. Yeah, I, I just I just sent the signed copies instead of the. <laughs> I was like, she, this was only signed eighteen months ago. I'm, I'm I so know. I I <laughs> there's been a lot going on. I've just been all over the place, so I'm sorry for that. But that's very. But sorry, you have it now. Very typical of us. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, well, well, you get to. You'd hear, be surprised uh, how common that actually is in the indie world. Oh no, I, I, I know. We've been in it for quite some time, but yeah. So you get to hear a little bit of glowworms in your film, which we we thank you so much for. That's yeah. really really cool. Yeah, no, I'm, that's it's awesome. Matter of fact, I want to, you know, is it available on iTunes? I want to, I want to buy your song. Um, we have a band camp. We're currently setting up a, a website right now where you can buy our because we we recorded a cassette. So, okay. um, yeah, we're trying to set that up right now. So yeah. I'll, still, I'll, I'll let you know. The yeah. 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 It's going on camera right now. We're, we're true punks. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. They're very, but, um, very good. Actually, extremely good live. I was going to ask you, Roger, what are some of your favorite bands? Oh, well, see that, there's Put some irony school. there actually, because my favorite bands are all Christian metal bands, like, uh, Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, um, like Project 86, probably bands you've never even heard of would be my guess. Uh, um, uh, not necessarily. Go ahead. Uh, Under Oath, which is actually no I've longer heard of together. Them. Yeah. You've heard of Under Oath? Yeah, Under Oath yeah. is awesome. Um, Project 86, POD, um, are some of my favorites. Be, uh, Becoming the Archetype. Yeah, I know them too. Um, I saw POD I, a long time ago. Me and his dude, yeah, actually, that was, that was the last show I went to see. It was in uh, it was in California. <clears throat> they put on a great show. Um, so I, I I actually you know I also before I got into Christian metal I was into like you know bands of the '80s like Van Halen and REO cool. Speedwagon and Rush and Boston. Oh, you I said, still yeah. listen to those. The three letter word. I can't do REO. I love Boston. Boston's great. <laughs> yeah, Boston's <laughs> awesome. Actually, in every every about every ten or twenty years they send out uh, another record. You know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so it's how long it takes him to record it and remix it because he has to get every note correctly, you know. <laughs> so uh, metal has had a little bit of a, a piece of your history, a little bit of influence on your writing. Metal? Yeah, metal. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I I have to say I think music and uh, music of a variety of genres has because you know as as much as I like metal, I was I was surfing on YouTube one day and I saw an ABBA video and I watched it. And I was like. I was like, wow, this nice. is actually pretty good, you know? Nice, Abba. It's, all right. It was, it was crazy. Well, actually, it kind of started like this two-day thing where I just kind of got obsessed with all things Abba, so I started like, looking at all their documentaries and stuff. <laughs> I was I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me, but this is kind of – this is interesting, Fernando. you know? <laughs> you hear that? Yeah, she can cover Abba. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So anyway – There's um, nothing wrong with liking Abba. Nothing. I don't say, uh, as far as the horror genre goes, metal actually plays a large role, you know, but. They go hand um, in hand. They go hand in hand. Um, yeah. Other than that, I'm not sure it would necessarily have much of an influence on my writing. My writing is more, um, I like to take what, I like to take stuff that people have done and turn it on its head and make it interesting. Okay. That's actually with all the, all the anthology films are that way. It's everything you've ever heard about, you know, this, you know, like zombie films, instead of having, you know, bloodthirsty, you know, mindless, whatever, I made them intelligent and I made them do to each other what human beings do to each other. Right. Like, that that should, like, at least make people really uncomfortable. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> I love making people feel uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's yeah. the best feeling. Did you know that right? Heather is an alien? Did you know that? I don't know. No. I do know. Yeah, now you know. She'll tell you that, that story explains why it took 18 months for her to get that back to me. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't take 18 months. <laughs> it took, to it took like a month. Galaxy. It took a month. Maybe. Was, yeah, it's just Heather time, the space-time continuum yeah. type thing. I live right. in my own world, I guess. Nice. <laughs> so. Even Miss D laughed at that, and she said she wouldn't talk. I just recently... <laughs> This is going to make me sound like I just don't I'm not no. updated on anything but I it. didn't know that Donald Trump was seriously running for president. <laughs> I thought it was a joke. Till today or Yeah, just like this week I just realized. Jokes on us though. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. I'm like yeah. why because everyone's talking about it. I'm like why is everybody talking about Donald Trump? I just don't pay attention <laughs> to anything. You know, I'll give you the inside scoop on Donald Trump. This is why Donald Trump is so popular and this is why Donald Trump will make a horrible president because he doesn't play the political games that everyone else plays, which is what makes him interesting to most people because they're sort of done with politics. Politics in general and people saying, hey, I'm going to promise you all this crap I'm never going to deliver. Yeah. He's like, I'm not going to promise you anything. I'm going, to, I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do and I'm not going to take any crap off anybody, which is fine, except when you're the president and you're know, the most powerful man, quote unquote, in the world, you don't have the luxury of doing that to other countries. Other yeah. countries are going to say, really? Here's the red button. Let me push it. It's all a red joke. Button. It's all one big joke. Yeah. Right? And speaking of that so. red button, I got, I, you know, I, I do have a day job and I just learned something. Do you remember a Bugs Bunny cartoon with Daffy Duck as a salesman? Don't touch the red button. Yeah. You remember that? You I remember, remember, you remember yeah. that. I love no, the Really? Remember. You remember and Roger doesn't. That's interesting. Well, I did that at work and I broke the warehouse that I work in. I touched the red button. It's a true story. Do not touch the red button anywhere in a warehouse. With that note, I'm going, we're going to take a station break for identification. No, actually, we're going to do a commercial real quick. All right, and we'll get right back to Roger Sampson and Forces of Horror. I'm not afraid of the dark, but you should be. There are things that dwell here in the dark. Things best left unseen. With the initial smoke clear from the fall of tomorrow, the blood now flows even thicker. With Dwelling in the Dark. Eleven stories. All bits of the same mysterious puzzle. Fitting together with horrific parallels to its predecessor. Get ready for new, truly terrifying tales. Set in the broken world from the fall of tomorrow. Take a closer look at what's now dwelling in the dark. If you dare. Available on Amazon in traditional print and ebook. Get your copy today. Visit www.fairlydarkproductions.com for more info on the author and his work. Hey, I'm Joe Lynch, and you are listening to Kettle Whistle Radio with Dave, that sick mother scratcher. <laughs> the critically acclaimed author of Demons, Dolls, and Milkshakes returns with 15 tales of horror and suspense. With everything here is a nightmare. From zombies in the Old West to a young boy tempted by the devil. From vampires with romantic longing 
to an abandoned lighthouse haunted by vengeful spirits. From a serial killer getting unholy justice to an haunted English race car. Nelson W. Piles invites you to explore the landscape of fear, suspense, and horror. Take his hand and hold on tight. Remember that whatever you find there, whatever you see, no matter what you might think it could be, know this. Everything here is a nightmare. By Nelson W. Piles. Available in paperback and Kindle at Amazon.com. By Burning Bow Publishing. And we are back. Kettle Whistle Radio with director Roger Sampson. How are you doing, sir? I'm well. Yes, we had a mighty discussion off air. There was another death in the music world today, and uh, you know whether or not you're around, uh, me and Roger were, uh, for Earth, Wind, and Fire. Maurice White passed away, one of the founding members, died today. They did a little dedication for him on that 70s channel, uh, the 70s channel on XM uh, today. But yeah, I grew up with that. I mean, I was a, I, I, just a child, but Earth, Wind, and Fire was a force in R&B, funk, and the rock world back in the day. So, yeah, that, but I mean, David Bowie, that's a huge one. That's just been so much. And then Phil Ensemble being a jerk in the news. And, but I don't know. That's why I don't watch the news. I, yeah, I don't want to know what's going on. You know, you don't <laughs> because wanna... most of the time, I just, it's not good. I don't <laughs> care. Yeah. yeah. I'm Heather's fine, fine with without it. knowing what's going on in the world. <laughs> so what do you want? I'm with Heather. <laughs> All right, so the two of you. Yeah, actually, Roger told me that. He's, he stays out of that and, and politics. Yeah. And actually, this is the closest we came to politics was just, you know, the last segment when you were talking. Uh, we don't talk about politics on this show at all. But uh, musicians, yes, and the loss of, that sucks. But anyway, let's get back into why we're here today. <laughs> we want to thank Brian Coddington and, of course, Shane Keller and Miss D, KWR, uh, for helping us out with our wraparound story of Clown Junkie that you seem to approve of. Um, Amen. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, I don't know. Like, what, what did you like about it? Just, uh, the, what, just the idea? Well, you know what? I'll tell you what. When I, uh, I saw the footage and, um, I liked the premise of it. I liked the fact that it was, uh, you know, that you were tying it into like the musical element of your show, uh, that you had the clowns that, you know, kind of give you, I don't know, almost a slip knot feel, um, which those are creepy clowns. And, um, so when I saw the footage, I was really, I was like, that actually works because, uh, what we were looking for was something that we could tie in the four anthology films, at least thematically into this, you know, wraparound thing with, with the, with the horror author and the DJs and that 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 sort of thing, so it it really worked. I'm glad. Oh, I'm glad we could do that. We it did was fun. Short. We had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. I mean, we were <laughs> thought, we were basing it on. It's hard to do something like that with somebody else's work. It's like you know taking somebody else's painting and you know outlining it. Um, sure. And where we grew, I grew up with uh, USA Up All Night and you know Gilbert Gottfried and all they would do is you know make fun of the things because they they would just show kind of bad movies. But it, there was a, a place to make fun. Where I, I, we didn't want to have it in bad taste and be cheesy, even though that's how I am naturally. So, you know, it was hard. It was kind of hard to do. You know, I wanted to make it tongue-in-cheek, but not so that we're being cheesy. Well, that's all right. Wait till you read the rewrite treatment. Oh, boy. <laughs> so you're adding the old footage with some new? Is that the idea? Uh, well, like I said, it, it, we might do uh, – it depends on what you guys reshoot um, – 
which I was trying to write it so that it complemented what you guys have already done. Um, but again, you know, if you want to reshoot the whole thing, then that's totally cool with me. Okay. And, uh, well, Brian's in on it. Like I said, Brian Coddington, we have to give big, big ups to cause he just won, um, a film, uh, at the, uh, what was that in, uh, Ms. D? There was an award that, uh, Brian Coddington won for the atrocity, um, exposition, the, you know, the, um, House of Oddities. It was, uh, for costumes, right? Oh, nice. Yeah, it was yeah. a film festival in Long Island. Yes. Yeah, I just don't remember the name of the film festival. In, in Smithtown, in Long Island, actually. Pretty close oh, to Oh, I've been from. there. Yes, I you have. Yeah. yeah. See, there's another time. Smithtown. What, what, Heather's favorite episodes was filmed there for yeah. uh, Paranormal State. That's where you guys got to play in the bar. Brian's right? bar, yeah. Yeah, what band was that? It was just you Heavy playing? Radio. That was, heavy, was my band I had with my cousin, yeah. Yeah, we played Heavy Radio. Here. Smithtown was a cool little place. Yeah, it is a cool little place. There's they a had a good comic toy store. Did you go in there? Yeah, I used to go there. It's like right near yep. there. Yep, yep, and a flea market and everything. But yeah, that kind of weird ties here. And uh, going back to Roger, he's actually from, well, he's in Dallas, and I spent a lot of my time in Dallas with my cousins. And oddly, you know, it's just funny. Are you from there originally, or did you transplant there? I transplanted here twice, actually. I was I grew up uh, in Minnesota after being born in Kansas. Okay. And then I spent time in Arizona and California and Texas, not twice. Okay. And horror, where did it start for you? <laughs> in my youth, really. Okay. Um, no, s- seriously, as far as uh, writing it, um, I wrote a feature in Los Angeles uh, called The Ritual, which is under option in Florida. And it's uh, sort of a modern-day Jack the Ripper tale with some supernatural elements in it. Um, and so I, I've always had a, I've always been a fan of the horror genre and it's probably for me the, one of the easiest to write because I understand the elements that make, you know, that, that make it up. Um, but it's not where, it's not necessarily what I want to focus on my whole career, but it, it's at least for, you know, what we've done here, it's, it's worked pretty well. Okay. Well, if not horror, then what else are you, what would you like to focus on? A lot of the best, Peter Jackson, a lot of the best directors start with horror and they move on to do mm-hmm. these gigantic productions. Um, what I've, are you I've at? actually started writing a, th- uh, I've actually started writing a thriller, uh, called the deep web, um, the deep web. And, and I think thrillers are kind of more of where I'd like to go. Uh, I also have a, a, a story in development called the abyssal plane, which is about a, a, a submerged transatlantic bullet train, um, goes from New York to London. And that's going to be like a really fun adventure to write, but it's going to take a lot of research. So I've kind of put that on the back burner. The Deep Web is going to be a story about a private detective that's uh, hired to find a missing girl. Um, and the investigation leads her into like the dark portions of the Deep Web. Because huh. like 96% of the Internet is not accessible to the general population. Everything that we do in Google and all that is all in the top 4% layer. And so I thought there's a lot of dark and deep, real things that, you know, exist under there. And I, you know, I think people would really go for mm-hmm. a story that kind of dives in there and brings kind of to light some of the real human horrors that we have to deal with. Awesome. I love the idea. Um, oh gosh, I had so many questions for you, but, um, now this is volume one forces of horror. I know I've asked you this. It's probably unfair to ask you, you know, in the development of our show right now and, and your DVD that's coming out, but is there a chance for more forces of horror? Sure, there always is. Um, the thing about the uh, the anthology is that we wrote stories that we wanted to tell as shorts, but in uh, in actuality, they're all um, 
easily adaptable into feature length. And a couple of them, Rawhead and Origin in particular, are franchise uh, uh, kind of eligible stories. Um, so on the one hand, we wanted short films to kind of, you know, to um, explore our filmmaking, our narrative style, <clears throat> and to be able to show that, you know, as in, like a resume of what we can do. Um, I also want to, at some point, use those kind of like as proof of concept to be able to, you know, expand them into features. As far as additional, you know, volumes, that's, you know, it's entirely possible, uh, but never again without a budget. Okay. Well, I'm going to use one of the evil words that keeps coming up because I work with a lot of independent people. I'm in four indie films, including yours. Um, Distribution. How does one go about finding a distributor and then i mean how do you try to get on netflix what what are the stepping stones well there are a couple of different paths you can take um the most common path where most indie filmmakers try to do it is on the end uh, is on the festival circuit you try to get yourself into some relatively high profile festivals if you can get into any of the big festivals then you're almost guaranteed to have someone of some sort of distribution angle to watch your film that being said distribution in today's independent market is nothing like it was 20 years ago. It's um, almost saturated. There's like, if you go on Facebook, you can find a hundred different independent film quote distributors who can get your film on, you know, video on demand or DVD uh, just depends on what type of deal you can make. It's not going to be like it used to be where if you get into Sundance, your, your film can go theatrical and get a theatrical relation. You can get a seven figure deal out of the, it doesn't really work like that anymore. I mean, it does for, for some films, but, the vast majority of films that get on the Netflix mm-hmm. um, are done via sales type agents who um, they either may approach the filmmaker or the filmmaker filmmaker may approach them and say, I've got this material and then they, you know, they watch it or whatever. And then, so almost, I would say a, a really healthy portion of independent films that are made uh, as long as they meet certain standards of uh, at least production value um, that doesn't necessarily have to translate into, you know, you know, Oscar worthy performances or even, you know, decent stories. Um, but as long as, as they meet certain standards, you can pretty much get a distribution deal for almost anything, uh, whether it be on video on demand, DVD, you know, some will even be sold into Netflix. The problem with that is a lot of times it comes in like where your film will be part of like a hundred films that will be kind of pooled up into this one pool and sold off in mass uh, to the Hulu and all that sort of thing. And then you really have, you're sort of dependent upon people going in there and watching your film as much as possible for you to even get any kind of revenue stream out of it. So um, getting a distribution deal for the anthology shouldn't be a monumentally hard task. Uh, just getting one that will help us recoup our costs, mm-hmm. that that will be the challenge. Yeah, yeah man. I mean, I, I'm hearing all about that. Uh, right now, I have a bunch of work on hold right now uh, because my publisher, uh, Gary Vincent with Burning Ball Publishing, he's involved with uh, John Russo's film. My mm-hmm. Uncle John is a zombie, which is a great you – know, I got to be in it, which is fantastic. Um, and uh, But it's, you know – the, the production costs are holding back a lot of like the publishing that he, not really holding back. He's like 
send it to me. We'll get it out there. It's gonna, it's going to be a couple months though, and you know he's trying to recoup too. And I think he will. It's going to be a cult classic. I think it's going to be a really good movie. It's a comedy horror. Um, John Russo is in it. He is Uncle John. Uh, and you know this is the guy that wrote the original Night of the Living Dead with uh, Romero. You know, um, he's got really good yeah. cast, and I mean there's some really funny stuff going on there too. It, it, just the right approach to a zombie film right now, I think. Um, well, and when you have recognizable names attached, whether it be in, in a in a production capacity or in a talent capacity, you, the road is paved much easier for you because you can you might be able to get a distribution deal on its merits if you have names attached, uh, as opposed to going through the, the through the pool thing when you when you're basically dealing with folks who are unknowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as far as that goes, it shouldn't be a big deal. That being said. I read an interesting article um, about a very talented filmmaker who actually on his very first feature got a distribution deal, but it took him five and a half years to recoup his production costs, not even yeah. his prints and advertising, uh, through the revenue streams of his distribution deals, just because that's, you know, he actually spent his own, I think it was like $300,000 of his own money. He, he did the whole thing and it still took him five and a half years to make it back. Ouch. So, you know, it, you know, it's you just have to temper your expectations. You, you know, you, um, you you get the distribution deal; it's great. If you can get a distribution deal that that recoups your costs, like from a Lionsgate or something like that, mm-hmm. then more power to you. But those deals are you know relatively rare. But the higher profile, the folks that are on your production, if you've got names you know attached to your elite talent, mm-hmm. those all make the make the road a lot easier travel i'll tell you uh you made one of heather's dreams come true uh you, you uh said you always wanted to be in a horror movie being chased i want to get killed though yeah you want to get killed i want to get killed i know uh hmm. <laughs> you shouldn't i want to scream and get killed and... i can always add uh, a, a shot right at the very end of the wraparound story where the clown lifts the axe above heather's head yeah oh, hey. i'm uh, fine with that she's actually happy about that um, nice. Yeah, no, she's very serious. She wants to die on film <laughs> since I've known her. Um, well, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, oh, that's funny. Yeah. We'll make that happen. <laughs> you're, you're, you're Perfect. A portion of it. Um, all right, let, let's talk about the the actors and actresses in, that you you have there. Um, you should probably mention them by name and uh, where you found them. What I mean, why you picked them. Uh, well, let's see here. The uh, primary actors we use, we use the same primary cast. Our, our young girl was, uh, Gracie Witten. Um, just a amazingly talented young lady. Um, I saw her, the moment I saw her audition tape, I was like, you know, uh, I was talking to my producer and, and casting director, Sherry Davis, who was working on it with me. And I was like, well, offer it to her. When she turns it down, we'll offer it to this other actress. Um, because we couldn't afford, you know, to pay her what she was worth. She's, you know, she was in Scary Movie 5 as one of the primary children. Really? I mean, she was oh, amazing. Cool. I did, you didn't tell me that. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, just yeah, look her up on IMDb. Um, okay. She's got, uh, she's got, a, she's got a lot of great credits. She's an amazing actress. She really is. Yeah, she really is. No, I was <clears> very <throat> impressed and very creepy. Yeah. Uh, Lance Secret was our, was our actor. We actually took a little bit longer time with the, with the lead actor, um, we had several different folks who were really good uh, in their pre-reads, and um, at the end of the day, we for the for the roles uh, that the anthology was going to have, just uh, we wanted kind of like the the guy who could play, you know, creepy in one uh, on ones in one story, who could play, um, who could sell you like a different type of like hunkiness maybe in another story. 
uh, where we're going to, you know, where we're taking like with revelations, um, not to give too many plot points away, but you can go watch it anyways. Um, he was, you know, a philandering kind of, or at least he, you know, believably philandering, which got him killed. He've got his head stuffed in the freezer. Um, so, yeah, but he was, scene. you know, he was, Lance was, Lance was excellent. Heather um, just gave you the thumbs up for that one, by the way. What's that? She gave you the thumbs up for that scene. Oh, the, the head in the freezer? Yeah. Yeah, we, we had an amazing uh, makeup special effects artist, uh, Crystal White, who I met on Facebook, actually. <clears throat> uh, she was, matter of fact, when I offered her to come onto the project, again, I expected her to say no because she was, she's amazingly talented. That's actually what she does. She creates monsters for haunted houses. Cool. <clears throat> um, uh, Sherry Davis is also one of our lead actresses and, uh, she was one who worked on the project with us from the, from the kind of the outset, uh, through the middle half of the project. Um, and then she kind of brought in, uh, or kind of took care of like pre-reading all the actors. Um, she brought in, uh, April Hartman who ended up being their lead in the last two films. Um, and April was just amazing. Uh, we, when we, the, actually the first time I actually met April in person was when we shot the Jones. And when we were filming her scene, which is her, her primary scene was the scene at the end when she kind of reveals kind of everything that's really happening in the story. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> when the first time we took it, we had a take of that. We were all looking at each other like, whoa, because she was, she just like, she literally stole the show. Huh. Um, so, um, Robert Johnson was also brought in, um, for the Jones and, uh, it was actually when we shot the Jones, we were going to try and recast those the smaller minor roles for the last couple of films. And it really hit me. Robert Johnson was the size of the type of actor we were going to need for rawhead to play the monster. And I was like, you know what? There's no, let's just do this like American horror story. Like, and just, you know, we've got April, we've got Robert. There's no reason to even go look for, you know, casting the other minor roles. And that's kind of when we committed to those actors for the remaining uh, portion. And then, uh, and buyer, uh, we brought in for origin to, uh, to complement that that fifth character in 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 the origin of species. Well, this is about the time where you need to tell everybody where to find you, where to find the actors, the films, how they how can they see them, what to look forward to. Okay, um, the films are all available on YouTube. Uh, you can look up uh, Roger Sampson's uh, YouTube channel, um, or you can look at them by name: Revelations, The Jones, uh, Raw, and The Origin of Species. Um, I think actually, um, we, you can find them all on IMDb. We also have a Facebook page, the forces of horror anthology, uh, volume one. Um, as far as the, they'll, they'll be available to watch on YouTube for the next several months, at least until we get uh, closer to, uh, having the video on demand DVD materials uh, completed. And then we'll take them down at that point in order to try to uh, get a distribution deal uh, set up. Um, we also have them floating around the festival circuit. We actually just got notification. The Origin of Species was accepted into one in Oklahoma. We'll be hopefully announcing Very in cool. the next few days, hopefully. Oh, you know what, Roger? You should, um, every, uh, November here in Pittsburgh, there's a film festival called the Three Rivers Film Fest. I actually okay. do some work for them. Um, you could probably try to submit it to them. Three Rivers Film Festival. Yeah, okay. it's always two weeks in November that they run it. It's like the second week in November usually. But, um, do they go through without a box or film freeway or how do you, or um do i don't i don't really know um like a lot of local filmmakers will get their films in there but they accept like international films like all kinds so um just search three rivers film fest or you can go to um 
the Pittsburgh Filmmakers website. Um, that's a school. That's where they kind of had the festival. Okay. Um, one of the theaters there. You could find some information there. Okay. So. Um, as far as me, I uh, you can find me on um, Twitter. I'm at uh, F underscore O underscore N underscore films. Um, I'm at Roger Sampson on Instagram. And, um, of course, I have you know Facebook. Um, I don't know what else. Okay. Well, Heather, you should plug away since you got a lot of things happening lately. Um, the only thing I have happening is glowworms. Yeah, but you said just there was something music. else. You don't want to talk about that project yet? Uh, we, we, we're just starting it out. I just started another project with somebody, so we don't even have a name yet. <laughs> but I can tell you it's like earth inspired. It's very heavy and slow. Okay. And uh, ambient. When you say earth inspired, you mean black Sabbath? The, no, earth? the band uh, earth. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Alright, cool. I'm, cool. I'm taking it that direction. Nice. So, yeah. Very cool. But, um. Well, where do they, where do people find you? Um, Facebook or I have Insta- I use Instagram a lot more than anything. Classic Tad. I need to get on there. Yeah, that's yeah. I just I'm sick of Facebook. Um, uh, Twitter <laughs> under Heather Taddy. That's right. yeah. Well, that's all uh, I'm given. Well, I got to plug away our stuff here too. Um, all right. Well, I can be found at well at Fairly Dark as you know on Twitter. Um, all my stuff, the books, and all our Kettle Whistle Radio shows are at www.fairlydarkproductions.com. You can find everything there. You can communicate with me and uh, book yourselves. If you're bands out there, if you have bands that you know, Roger, please let them, send them my way. And um, I don't know. we got a lot of stuff going on, man. I can't wait Actually, to see I do. I would like to put out a plug here to um, our composer on the anthology. There you go. Um, we actually, through a, friend, a filmmaker friend of mine in Florida, we were introduced to an amazing composer by the name of Rio Utisato. Um, her and her husband actually have a band called Fire Sphere out in, out in Tampa area. They're actually quite amazing. Um, yeah, all cool. the score from basically the Jones on is all Rio's doing. Everything you hear in the score is, is her music, as wrote specifically for our films. Uh, she's been an absolute joy to work with, and if you have any independent filmmakers who need a, who need a composer, send them, send them to her. Her name is Rio, and she dances on the sand. She, you can find her on Reverb Nation <laughs> Facebook. She mostly, uh, Reverb Nation's where most of her music is, but it's, huh. you, you, there's tons of uh, samples on there. You, I mean, they're just mesmerizing. It's something we picked out when we were watching it the first time. Um, it just the, the soundtrack was so professional, so good, just like, and not overdone, you know, like it didn't take yeah. over the film. It was there, it fit perfectly. Yeah, she actually uh, professionally um, composed TV in Japan. Nice. Cool. Wow. Yeah, she she's amazing. Absolutely. Be, uh, the whole thing. We're just very proud to be a part of it and uh hope to make you proud. Um we got some work to do. Um and uh, Don't worry, Rio's going to put a score on there no matter what you guys do, it'll be awesome. <laughs> we both laugh right now cuz we're, we're well, I don't know. I'm not an actor. Do you consider yourself an actress? No, I no. <laughs> She's like, "No." Just cuz I was on TV doesn't mean I'm an actress. <laughs> Just played one on TV. Yeah. All right. Well, this was fun, Roger. Thanks for finally coming on, and that wasn't your fault. Uh, we've been booked. We'll have you on. That's again all good. Before you know, we'll definitely have you on more than a few times uh, before we get close to the release and everything else. Uh, Sounds good. If you have announcements or whatever, but yeah, hit us up all the time. And as always, uh, look at us, look us up, Kettle Whistle Radio on Facebook, Society Thirteen Podcasting Network, and you could always hit me up, David Fairhead, on my Facebook too and Twitter. At Fairly Dark, I'll get back to you. All right? And uh, bands out there, hit me up. All right? And I, I guess that's it for Kettle West Radio this time. Uh, Roger, any, any parting words? Uh, I'd just like to thank my cast and crew on the anthology. Um, 
they all know who they are. They were the most amazing people to work with, and I look forward to working with them many, many times in the future. Very cool. Very cool. Heather, you want to say good night? Oh, wait. Good night. No, you got to oh. give, give me that camera. Gotta, yeah, we, we, we <laughs> just catch this. We haven't caught this on film yet, but. Well, Roger, it was nice to finally talk to, chat with you. Yes, Heather, it was, a, it was wonderful to chat with you. I hope to be able to chat with you again, and next time I'll look forward to actually seeing you. Yeah, yeah, that's my fault. Good. We didn't get the cameras. It was a, a late night at work for both of us. We just got here like at the same time. It was it was it was kind of late. I oh, mean, uh, yeah, yeah. she's kicking the mic Sorry. now. But all right, well, I'm going to say good night, Roger uh, and Heather. It's up to you at this point to finish it up. Close. Go go out. I, I I was trying to think of a song to sing. Usually we end our shows with me singing something. So sing, sing. But nice. Um, uh, I'm just so hungry. I need to eat. <laughs> I've been eating all day. It's all right. Such a busy day. We're going to go. <laughs> Roger, thank you very much. All right. Take care, you guys. See ya. All right. All right, man. All right. We'll see you again. Bye. Take care. <coughs> Sorry, I didn't really say much.
Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the The Candle Candle Power Power Hour. Hour. 